There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Time to talk some Rams. Along with me, Joey O'Coin, LA Rams, Rams, Rams on your Twitter dial. What's up, Jeff? Uh, what's going on? I'm doing good. Jerk. Jerk. Nice. Only one jerk tonight. Not a full panel of jerks. We'll get uh, Rob and Meissen back in here soon enough, but it's a two jerk panel tonight. Uh, just the two of us. How's your Wednesday going? Uh, pretty good. I should, I should probably have some Jamaican jerk pizza to. Uh, I don't know. Are you a fan of Jamaican jerk pizza? I've never had Jamaican jerk pizza. I've never had it on a pizza, but uh, I'll try anything. I love some jerk chicken, so I'm sure it's good. Yeah, you know, if you're ever at a California pizza, pizza you know, they're shots. I, mean, I didn't know they like have it. Dork, but yeah, yeah, they added it. I worked there for quite quite some time, and I, yeah, it's good. It's, it's spicy mm. for, you know, for white people. But hey, yeah, nothing wrong with it. Uh, nothing wrong with it. Right. So, um, so how about uh, how about the uh, how about the Rams, huh? How about the Rams? That there seems to be this chatter. There seems to be this idea that Aaron Donald's going to get signed soon. Don't want to don't want to poison the waters. Oh man, it's a relief. It's just Let's a nice done. relief that it doesn't feel like we're going to have to go into like week two, week three. Going, are they going to sign him? Um. I mean, yeah, it could happen. That could totally happen. But I'm, I'm feeling like we're just gonna be able to go into week one, being like, "This is our team of 53 dudes," and just play football. You know, competency. It's a beautiful thing for people who miss the news. Uh, we've had quite a bit recently. Yesterday, it was Sean McVay, Rams head coach, at his uh, post-practice press conference. It really wasn't so much a practice; it was a scrimmage that they had held. No media allowed. It was a private session, and then afterwards. When asked about Aaron Donald, he was ebullient in his response. He was excited. He was optimistic and a little goofy, kind of screwing with the media a little bit. And then today, uh, we started off first uh, pro football talk, had a nugget suggesting that a source of theirs was predicting that there would be a press conference on Tuesday to maximize the PR value of an announcement of the deal, which certainly sounds like something the Rams would do. And then we had a radio nugget that was actually from yesterday, Mighty 1090, with uh, John Clayton, formerly of ESPN, who said that he thinks a deal will get done with Donald on Friday or Saturday. So it sounds like the timeline's coming together. Uh, That'd be pretty exciting. And like uh, like Joey said, uh, yeah, that'd be nice. Get it all done. Get it ready for week one. Um, last night though, uh, without the news, I was watching a little hard knocks and Joey, we had a, we had a discussion 
let's table that. Let's table that to the end of the yeah. episode because I want to get Deuce on here, and uh, we'll talk a little Rams. We'll talk a little Hard Knocks, but first we got to talk a little Rams and Saints. So joining us uh, this evening is Deuce Windham, a.k.a. Rev, from Canal Street Chronicles, the SB Nation community for fans of the New Orleans Saints. My friend Deuce, Rev, what's going on, man? Doing great, man. How are you? Doing good. So uh, are you from New Orleans? Do you live in New Orleans? Uh, what is the connection here? Uh, not currently living in uh, NOLA. Living a little bit more north up in the state, but yeah. Here. Nope. We lost Deuce there. He might have cut out for a second. You still there, Deuce? Yeah, I'm here. Nope. What part of the Louisiana? My friend, my family's all from Louisiana, so I know it well. Well, I'm currently up in Monroe, so northeast. Nothing Florida. wrong with Monroe. Nothing wrong with Monroe. I've been there many times. My family's from outside Baton Rouge, so I have skirted up through northern uh, Louisiana many a time out there on I-20 doing things I shouldn't be doing. Speaking of things we shouldn't be doing, are you, you're, are you a practicing reverend? Um, not for about a year, but I, I was for quite a while. So I have to say this. New Orleans Saints, blasphemy? Are they blasphemers for naming the team the Saints? Come on, you got to have standards. No, not at all. Okay, fair enough. Well, I've, all, I've always, I've, I've, I know, jerks. We're the two jerks. We got to get it done today. Um, let's get to the game. Uh, it's obviously going to be a back of the roster thing. It's not uh, our starting teams. It's not what we're going to see in Week Nine when we get the rematch uh, in the regular season. Where are you guys standing in terms of the back end of the roster? How have you guys looked in the preseason? What are you looking forward to tomorrow? Well, from uh, our perspective, it's the first time in several, several years that we're, we're going to have a hard time cutting players. It's deep, and that's, it's not a, you know, opposing team coming on your podcast talking about how deep the team is. For, for several years, this team has had a pretty easy time cutting people. I mean, it has not been one of those areas where they have just been loaded with talent, but now you're looking at a team, I mean, they're, they're confident with a good 10, 11 defensive linemen probably only going to carry eight, maybe nine. I mean, they're confident with their O-line, only going to carry eight, maybe nine. You know, safeties, we might see seven uh, corners get carried, so only four safeties. I mean, there's a lot of players that they've really enjoyed training camp. It's one of those rare years where very few people are looking bad. So uh, cut day is going to be really tough, especially now that we we do it all in one swoop now. We don't have the, the whittle down technique it's all at the end of the year so tomorrow night is going to be a big showcase for a lot of guys who are really going to be putting on a show for other teams because there's going to be some good talent i think slip through the cracks nice hey uh dudes this is joey uh talking i just wanted to uh talk to you a little bit about the uh the depth of the wide receiver position because i was reading stuff about cameron meredith whether it's going to be the number one option or uh, maybe he's slipping a little bit uh, what do you think about uh, your uh, pass catchers over there? Well, I think right now uh, Cameron Meredith is still kind of working his way back. I don't think he's looked bad, but he hasn't looked you know great either. He's just kind of you know coming off that injury, trying to get back up to game speed, seeing significant snaps, and he'll see significant snaps tomorrow night. Uh, the, the young pass catcher that's catching everybody's eyes, not named Michael Thomas, is Traquan Smith, and he's had just an incredible camp, an incredible preseason. Uh, he's doing everything right, and – Sean Payton made the comment that the last receiver he saw do this well early on in terms of rookie camp was Michael Thomas. And he's playing primarily as your flanker there on the outside. A lot of what Ted Ginn was doing last year, and Ginn is still around, but Traquan is just having a really positive shine right now. Cameron Meredith is still there, probably going to make the roster. Ted Ginn still there. And I think there's a little bit more depth there. 
the biggest question for New Orleans is have they fixed their third down woes? And you know, it's looking like they're on the path, but uh, it's just a question we're going to have to hit game time to really answer. And do you I think like the confidence. team is oh, going to switch? I was just going to say, like, the team's going to switch their identity as, um, as more of like a, like a smash mouth kind of running team where we've always thought of the Saints as being this sort of air raid kind of pass attack with Breeze. And it seems like now with their, with their running game, it seems that they're, they're switching their identity. Do you think that's really what they're doing, or is that just kind of what we're seeing from the outside? I think it's a perception thing about New Orleans. Uh, if you look percentage-wise, the percentages of how much the Saints ran last year compared to, say, 2011 or 2009 really aren't that different. Uh, it is a little bit higher, but it's also playing to your strengths. When you've got Mark Ingram, a Pro Bowl-level running back, you've got Kamara, who's, who also came in as a Pro Bowl level, you've got a very strong offensive line. I mean, why not run the football? It, it's, it works. It's safer and less opportunity for turnover. But, you know, if you really just look at New Orleans, they're going to play whatever's best for them at the time, whatever that looks like. They've still remained a predominantly West Coast offense with a little bit of uh, Eric Coriel thrown in here, depending on the year. They might attack the seams a little bit more sometimes, but basically you look at a West Coast offense that, you know, one unique wrinkle they have is instead of just being like an outside zone run team, Ingram has a, been a guy that they'll use for outside zone, inside zone, duo, power, and then Kamara – real outside zone guys. They show a lot of different looks, both in the passing game and the running game, which makes it pretty difficult to defend. And I think that's one of the reasons they've had their success, not only the talent that they have, but that they're able to come out with so many different looks. It's really tough to just nail down what they're going to do, play in and play out. And uh, that could be run, pass. I think even at the Saints' best, you're going to be really hard-pressed to see them running more than 43, maybe 45% of the time in a season. And that's a run-heavy Saints offense. It's going to be interesting. Mark Ingram's only about uh, 700, 734, looks like, uh, yards away from passing Deuce McAllister as the all-time Saints rushing leader. I think that happens this season, uh, barring something unforeseen, either injury or a complete Alvin Kamara turnover. What about the offensive line, Deuce? How's that looking? If they can stay healthy, you know, that's one of those cross your fingers and, you know, knock on wood, do whatever you can, get your voodoo doll out. If they can stay healthy, they're a top line. And they were a top line last year with health problems. They weren't, you know, top three or anything. But when they were all on the field, when it was Armstead, Pete, Unger, Warford, and Ramchek, they were just stellar. Uh, Armstead, very confident in his return. Is his offseason, he spent time working with Duke Mannyweather, uh, just a lot stronger, a lot faster. And first time he's come in day one camp ready to play and healthy, and if I'm not mistaken, three years. So it's a good year for him. He's one of those guys, freak athlete, could never stay consistently 16-game healthy. Hopefully that's the change here. Offensive line just looks studly. I mean, you go look at the, the times Drew Brees gets sacked. I mean, when's the last time Drew Brees got sacked 30 times in the season? It's got to have been five, six years ago. So the offensive line is a huge strength. It's one of the reasons Drew's still able to play here at 39 years old. If we're talking about and the depth, of that, we, one thing. But Oh, go ahead. If you got a good segue, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to do the obvious of the of, of today's trade when you talk about your 39-year-old sure. quarterback. Um, you know, I was curious on what the future of the Saints quarterback position was going to be, you know, before today's trade. Has this been something that's been in the pipeline for a while? I mean, have you guys been talking about, what, you know, who, who you're going to pass the baton off to? And now does it feel like it's for sure going to be Teddy Bridgewater and is 
and how do you feel about it? Well, I don't think it's for sure anybody, but they're certainly looking. I mean, love Drew Brees for what he is. Incredible guy. Still one of the top quarterbacks in the league, but he's 39 years old. And how long can he really go? Anybody outside of New Orleans can see that age is starting to get to him in some ways. His deep pass isn't what it was in his prime. It doesn't mean he's still not incredible. I mean, he's still breaking records, set the completion percentage record again last year. I mean, so he's still running a pretty effective offense. But, you know, he, he's only got so many days left. And not only that, the man's got four kids now, family. They're starting to get older. And like a lot of these players, they want to start spending more time with their family. So, They've been looking for a while. Taysom Hill's the guy they've been looking at. They brought in Tom Savage. Really see him more as a, you know, interim backup, but still giving him looks. Brought in JT Barrett uh, out of Ohio State as a UDFA. And they're just looking at anybody they can. I think what Teddy has shown, and a big thing with Teddy was, did he would he come back and look healthy? You know, uh, I know that he was kind of that mixed bag. He was healthy, wasn't healthy last year with the Vikings. You saw, I think, like two snaps from him. And coming on the Jets, you've seen three really good games. I've actually started charting all of his passes here from the preseason. And he looks healthy. He looks strong. And he looks a perfect fit for a West Coast-style offense that Sean Payton and company run with what he was doing up there in New York and what we've seen from him on tape. So I still think that Teddy is the guarantee just because they traded for him. You know, even if Teddy walks next year and signs with somebody else, it's possible the Saints get a compensatory pick for him. If that's the case, then they really didn't spend that much to uh, see what he's got this year. So not sure if you'll see him tomorrow night with it being, you know, happening today. He's supposed to fly in, you know, and get all that stuff done. You'll probably see mostly Tom Savage, Taysom Hill, guys like that. But, you know, it is interesting to pick him up now after they didn't express really any interest that we know of in the offseason for. We're speaking to Deuce, my good man uh, from Canal Street Chronicles, uh, talking about the Rams Saints game. Uh, Deuce Wyndham, you can follow him on Twitter. Uh, we tweeted out earlier. Uh, Deuce, before we get to the defense part on the offense, what, can, what are some of the deeper names that we should look at uh, from guys that have stood on the preseason? we got some guys on our side, guys like Earl Pod, Jamil Demby, guys from our depth that are using the preseason pretty effectively. John Kelly, our running back, obviously, has probably had the best uh, preseason out of anybody from our side. Who are some of the guys deeper on your 90-man roster that have uh, showed up in these first three preseason games? Well, on the offensive side, there's been this battle for, you know, the quote-unquote Mark Ingram's four games, his snaps. So Jonathan Williams is a guy that y'all will see probably a significant amount tomorrow night. Shane Vereen is a veteran pass catcher. You know, that, that whole like Travaris cadet role, just that third down, go out, catch swing passes type guy. And then Boston Scott, the rookie out of Louisiana Tech. Those three running backs, definitely worth watching, and all three have had their moments during camp. Uh, and then the offensive line, you look at – Guys like Rick Leonard and Will Clapp and uh, Cameron Tom, all young players who uh, there's been talk of those being possible future candidates. But then we get back to that whole, well, who are you going to keep on the O-line because you can't keep everybody. you got veterans like Jermon Bushrod, Josh Reba. So you've got a lot of these guys fighting for their roster lives. And, you know, Cameron Tom's a guy that you already put a year into. Josh Arebus has got some time around him. So, you know, that's some battles to watch. And then one interesting one is Dan Arnold. He had a really strong showing the first couple weeks. It's kind of faltered here a little bit. Not doing bad, just hasn't been standing out. But he is a tight end that they're converting to wide receiver. And he's been a pretty interesting transition, how quickly he's trying to pick up the game and if he can make a spot. And uh, that's something to watch as well. Wide receiver to tight end. Sorry, I flipped that. (laughs) Let's take a halftime break, Joey. Question for you first. You've been to New Orleans before? 
Uh, yeah, I actually went to New Orleans a, um, I think last summer, and we did one of those uh, gator tours out in the bayou, and it was pretty did. fun to kind of be out there and to see those those houses that are kind of built right on the swamp, and you sure. can see the, a couple of these like wooden shacks that they had the same flags hanging down, and they were talking about during game day with LSU games and Saints games that they all get the inner tubes and they're out in the swamp with the gators around watching the game on a big you know, sheet that they're hanging up on a on a rope, and I'm like, that sounds awesome. It but, is awesome. Uh, yeah, did you eat any alligator? Yes, I did. At one of those roadside Good. cafes that had a gator burger, and uh, and it was uh, it was great. I had a great time. I actually love I, I love the whole the whole cuisine of uh, of Louisiana, like the the Cajun food. I love um, you know shrimp po boys and very good. You know anything that's like a jambalaya and that that sort of stuff. It's um. It's great. You guys, you guys have have a uh, have a great uh, sort of you know cuisine thing. You get your your food down there kicks ass. Basically. That's the way to put it. Thank you for not insulting both of us. Uh, here's the question. I'll pose it to you first, Deuce, and then Joey will, as the outsider, you get to go in. Number one, what is your favorite po' boy? Is it oyster? Is it shrimp? Is it gator? I had a great good gator po' boy when I was down there last summer in Baton Rouge, of all places. Um, what is your favorite po' boy? And then where do you get your favorite po' boy? What would be your po' boy recommendation? What do you think, Deuce? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, man, as far as my favorite, it's it's kind of close between gator and shrimp, uh, fried shrimp. But uh, yeah, man, that's I'm a real big fan. Like I'm that cheesy, overindulgent gator guy. I just when you think of the Louisiana guy who eats alligator, that's me. I just absolutely love it, no matter how it is. It could be on a stick, it could be on a po' boy, yeah. it could be gator balls. I, I absolutely love it. As far as favorite place, man, I honestly can't give you one. There's so many places in town. Uh, Cajun seafood, just one of the local Cajun shops. Seafood. got a good one. I mean, yeah, they're, they're all over the place. You, you go down just about any street, either uptown, downtown, you're going to find a po' boy shop, and it's going to be good. So. Cajun seafood, I've been to many times. Obviously, Parkway, Mahoney's, there's all kinds. You couldn't have gone yeah, wrong. Parkway is another one. Yeah, I mean, course. there's so many different ones. So. Great. And great is good because Parkway and Cajun are cheap. So if you need some cheap yep, places, that's very go true. there. Very true. Uh, greatest appetizer I ever had was a alligator cordon bleu at the Commander's Palace in Las Vegas, which has been closed for quite a long mm-hmm. time. So I'm dating myself. Joey, favorite po' boy, favorite place to get one? Well, I was going to say Parkway Bakery and Tavern. And, uh, you know, I, I, we actually we went to the Commander's Palace, and, and that was great. But, you know, I, I would say that um, I really like – you mentioned oysters, and uh, I, 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 I'm a sucker for that. So, I mean, you know, it's just, you're just stuffing good food and bread. So, I mean, the oyster poi boy is, uh, is, is probably going to be my favorite. But um, you can't go wrong. So I'll, I'll, I'll take whatever you got. That's a good answer, too. Um, I'm an oyster guy, and I'm actually into the new ones that they're doing at Killer Po' Boys for people who have been down to New Orleans recently. They're messing around with yeah. Po' Boys, and I, I like the it. bar here in Rose Bar. I yeah. like it. Yeah, fun That's stuff. All right, back to football now that we're thinking about Po' Boys and oysters. Um, defense, <laughs> where do we want to start, Deuce? Where, where, where would you start if you were trying to preview the New Orleans defense in general or specifically for this game? What would you pinpoint? 
Well, I think um, defensive line, like I said, it's another one of those spots where the Saints are really deep, so they're going to be showing some guys some significant snaps. You'll see Marcus Davenport again. Uh, this past week was his first time on the field, and he actually did pretty well. Uh, still some rust on him, and obviously still some things that he's got to improve on. The flaws he had coming in don't get fixed in one summer, but you could definitely see why they loved him and the potential. But other guys like Mitchell Lavin, uh, Deborah Lawrence, Taylor Stallworth, a bunch of those depth guys, you know, who's going to end up making the team? So it's an odd spot because it's not often you can pick a position group and say you've got seven guys locked in. Like, there's no chance they're going everywhere. And that's what the Saints have on defensive line coming into camp. They had seven locked in that they're not going anywhere. That leaves very few spots for some talented players to fight. And, you know, the NFC South has got that exemption where they each have players. Well, they each have one player from overseas, and the Saints have a guy from the U.K. named Alex Jenkins who's fighting for Mm -hmm. spots. He might end up back on the practice squad even though he's looked good. Uh, about the only spot that has looked not very deep has been linebacker. Uh, you got some new talent there, but there's also a lot of uh, – they're still working on communication, getting things together, and that's one of the positions that's not deep. Uh, you got guys like Colt Jumper fighting for spots, but honestly don't really see much of it happening. Uh, Haloe Kikaha, who is the guy that the Saints drafted as edge, has been spending time at strong side linebacker. He's a maybe make the roster, maybe not. Uh, but corner is a spot where they're they're definitely deep. So you've got guys like Arthur Millette, uh, Justin Hardy, Natrell Jamerson. And not only are they playing defensively, but those are all special teams guys with Hardy and Millette being special teams standouts. So the more that they can improve as backup defenders on defense, which they have shown a noticeable jump this year from their first years last year, you know, uh, that only helps solidify them a potential spot on the roster. And that's one of those spots we're looking where, you know, they could keep six or seven corners depending on who they want to prevent from getting sniped from some other team. If we're looking at the roster and the draft was in a month, what would be the biggest need or biggest needs if there are multiple? Where where do you still see, even as you're going through this roster, Cole, are the soft spots that you would want to try to improve? Ooh, uh, tight end on offense and linebacker mm-hmm. on defense. I think tight end is fine for this year. Ben Watson is solid, and you you know you don't need a lot from really anybody when you've got a guy like Drew. He can elevate a player. So I think Ben Watson, even at this point in his career, as long as he's healthy, he's going to probably get you 500 yards, five touchdowns, and that's plenty okay with what they're looking for. They mainly just need that to be a, a, a third down converting position. And Ben Watson should be able to provide that. But on defense, I think there's still a lot of questions at linebacker. A.J. Klein has been pretty inconsistent. He'll have moments uh, like the Arizona preseason game where he looks really good, shedding blocks, doing everything right. And then games like last week against the Chargers, and he just gets dominated against the one. So he's been inconsistent. Uh, Anzalone is uh, – he's – I mean, you could almost call him a rookie because he only played – uh, four games last year before getting injured. So he's still mm-hmm. trying to work through things. Demario Davis is still, I mean, he's looked like the best linebacker the team has, but he's still learning the defense. And you know, it's one of those spots where you've got some talent, but you don't have enough. It's not deep. And then what you do have is still working on things like fundamentals and communication. So you know, that's a position I still think that needs to be looked at with a fine tooth microscope and just hope you find somebody in free agency at the draft next year because if there's something preventing the Saints defense from being elite, it's the middle of the field at linebacker. Yeah, Joe. yeah and, and it seems like it seems like you guys made a um you know pretty big move in the draft to, to get uh, Marcus Davenport. And I've just been, you know, reading about how his role is 
a little bit unknown that they don't know exactly what they are, are, are going to, um, to do with him this season. And is, is that because he, uh, he, he's still like at defensive end to kind of uh, beat out the other guys. And you were talking about how he has some rust, um, but it, it seems like he's going to be a, a pretty effective um, edge rusher. Is it, is it just something that he just needs to just gel with the team or do they have to kind of uh, just, take a look at him more and, and, and to see if they can move around to a different position. Well, I think he's just raw. And I think that the couple little things he's had injury wise, haven't been serious, but they do keep, keep him out of practice a little bit. And I'm glad he's back now, but you, you, you go to back to just about anybody's draft report. I know my draft guy talked about this pretty extensively. He's raw. I mean, he's got everything you want from an athlete standpoint, from a build standpoint, and even some from a technique standpoint, but it's just not all there yet. And it's also the Saints are very confident what they have in the D-line. I mean, you got Cameron Jordan, who is a perennial pro bowler, all pro talent, you know, rated as, at least from pro football focus the past two or three years, as either the best or one of the top three guys at his position. So, I mean, that's locked in. And then you've got Trey Henderson and Alex Okafor at the opposite side, who have both looked very good both last year and in camp this year. So it's just you don't feel the need to rush him in and make him be something. I see him being a situational guy year one, and maybe his snaps get higher and higher as the season progresses when he gets more time and more adjusted, and that's where he can start earning that role. You know, uh, he's going to be one of those guys who probably doesn't get a lot of starts on the box score but still ends up playing 65% of the snaps. And, I mean, that's basically a starter. But other guys are going to be out there snap one of the game, so he's probably not going to get that marked in his box. But he's going to be a situational pass rusher and continue to get more time. I think maybe by the time we see our game during the regular season, Davenport could be more of a familiar face. Got it. And as far as, you know, your division – it, uh, it it looks like, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers seem to be a, a team that people aren't really picking to win the division, but they they could be they could be sneaky good. But do you see do you see it to be kind of a dogfight to win the uh, NFC South? And um, do you feel like the, uh, the the Saints are kind of pro- like right now looking as to be the favorites to win the division? Well, I think. As far as Tampa goes, I mean, the running joke is they're the Cleveland Browns of the NFC. They've got the talent. They've got everything you think it takes to win. Just don't do it. Uh, The coaching staff, a lot of people have questions about. I know Mike Smith, who's with them on the coaching staff now, Sean Payton has had his number from an offensive-defense standpoint for years, even when his time was with Atlanta. Uh, And then you look at this whole situation where Fitzpatrick and and Winston, Fitzpatrick having to start. And Fitzpatrick, I think he came to New Orleans and picked up a voodoo doll because wherever he goes, he finds playing time as the backup. So it's just everything that could go wrong in Tampa seems to just sort of happen. I remember last year looking at their roster and going, man, this is a playoff team. And I pegged them as that. And then they just embarrassed me and made me look silly last year. So I'm not going to go out on the limb for them again this year. If they do it, fantastic. But I think that Tampa is a talented team that just isn't well organized right now. So I don't really see them making a stretch. As far as the Saints go, I mean, any team that's the the reigning champ, I don't think you can predict anybody really toppling them unless they had just a 
bad off season or, or people leaving and Saints haven't had any of that. If anything, they've gotten stronger and you can definitely make a case that Atlanta got stronger and I'm not saying they didn't. And Carolina's a big question mark. What are they going to do with North Turner over there now? How's Cam going to do now that his aggressive style of play is starting to affect his body with, in terms of injuries and stuff. And, you know, there's still some questions, but I think Saints are definitely, if anything else, they're one A. If you want to talk about Atlanta or even Carolina being one B, you can, but to me right now, the Saints are the clear favorites, but that division is low key. One of the toughest fault divisions every year with some of the best rivalries that just never get talked about because historically everybody in the NFC South sucks so nobody pays attention to us but it's always a really fun division to watch every year what team do you hate the most of those three other teams Ooh. oh it's a team good like, that's our rival <laughs> <laughs> I don't even I mean or Tampa and the Carolina Panthers even in the division it's it's the Falcons and the Saints I mean it, there's nobody else I don't care if we lose to the Panthers. If it happens, it happens. No big deal. It, it's a bad day if you lose to Atlanta. It's a, beating Atlanta on Christmas Eve is one of the greatest Christmas gifts I've ever gotten last year, and it was fantastic. <laughs> I don't know nice. if you know this, Rev. They were in the Super Bowl. They were ahead by a lot of points. I forget the score. Yeah, I heard that. But yeah, they yeah. Like blew a 28-3 to lead, something like that. That was it. That was the one. Yeah. Man, I, didn't, I didn't know I heard about that. We don't talk about that in New Orleans, never, though. I bet not. I bet that nope. just never gets brought up. Um, Rev, let's do a little prediction stuff. I guess prediction for the game. We kind of have to. I get, when I, yeah, when I did the Q&A, we're posting game, it tomorrow. It's very important. <laughs> I know. I put 10-10, and we're going to end up wishing we does something for time. What do you think? Uh, I think the – I don't know how you guys depth is right now. I think the Saints end up winning the game simply because it's a very deep roster. How that ends up playing for the regular season, well, heck, who knows? But these guys that are, are we call deep never see time in the regular season anyway. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I think you see the Saints along this to the preseason. They really start to show up in the second half because that depth starts showing up, and the ones either do well or maybe they do okay. So I think the Saints end up winning. But for me, it's a sure. Let's just call it twenty-three to fourteen, and who cares? <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. we get out healthy, and both of us get to see guys who are at the bottom end of our rosters who. You know, we're either rooting for as fans or, you know, whatever, that we can see them succeed and make it. So, I know that I've got a good dozen names I'm really going to be keying in on. And the main thing I want from this, I don't care if the Rams blow us out 60 to nothing. I just want healthy. And for the players, I want to make the roster do good. So. Yeah, one of the angles that I think is going to be interesting for us is we're playing our quarterback, Luis Perez, who hasn't had a single snap to this point in the preseason. So, I have no – in terms hmm. of trying to predict the score, I have no idea because we're playing a quarterback that hasn't played yet, and I have no idea how he's going to actually play until he gets out there. So, it's going to be interesting. Maybe what's most interesting, besides the fact that this game doesn't matter and we're not really playing our teams, is that we're going to yeah. see each other in a couple months. One game that we got, it's November 4th in Week 9. That'll be a mm-hmm. late game, late kickoff on Sunday. What, what do you want to see happen? Here's your schedule. It's home for Tampa, home for Cleveland, at Atlanta, mm-hmm. at the Giants, home for Washington, by week six, then a two-game road trip, Baltimore and Minnesota, before coming home, take us on in week nine. What do you want to see over those eight weeks before we rematch, and what should we be looking out for as Rams fans across the bow as we uh, try to track what's happening in New Orleans, getting ready for that one? 
Well, I think for New Orleans, the focus early on is health and winning the games they should win. So, I mean, on paper, and we, we say this term all the time, on paper, it should be a 2-0 and start for New Orleans, going with Tampa at home without their starting quarterback and then the Cleveland Browns. And Sean Payton really has Greg Williams' number. You guys remember that from when Greg Williams was with y'all. Sean Payton hates that guy and brings out something special every time he plays them. So those two games on paper should be Ws. And you, you've got to hope to – at least take two of those other ones. So, you know, you want to have, I think it'd be best if you reach that week, that not week eight, but game eight there against the Rams, if you have at least five to six wins. I think the Ravens game is going to be interesting to watch because that's the only team Drew Brees has yet to beat in the NFL. So if he beats that, he's beaten all 32 teams. And it might sound cheesy and stupid, but Sean Payton and Drew Brees love accolades. They love stupid stuff like that. So that's going to be a game that's on the calendar because if Drew doesn't do it then, He's probably never going to do it. You know, uh, Drew might have two years left, and they're only going to play the AFC South every AFC um, North every four years. So if he doesn't do it now, it ain't going to happen. So that's a game to really watch for the Saints winning on the road. But uh, really, for New Orleans, they're they're going to try to play their dome field advantage. They're they've got it back last year where the dome was rocking, hitting you know 110 decibels and loud. The crowds into it again. The team's winning, so it becomes one of those really difficult environments for you know, teams to come in and play. And I think the Rams are a very good team. I think that talent for talent, they're right there with New Orleans, maybe in some sides better. But the ability to play at home is going to make this a very, very difficult game for both teams. And I think that right now I would pencil it as a Saints win only because it's at home. If it was in L.A., I kind of feel differently. But leading forward, if both teams stay healthy, that's going to be a very fun matchup to watch. One more question, then we'll let you go. Drew Brees is under contract through next year, and then he's scheduled to be a free agent. Is next year his last year with New Orleans, and is next year his last year? Ooh, that's a fun one, man. It's Yeah, he's uh, he's got contract this year, got contract next year, and it voids after that. So then you're sitting here with a bunch of dead money for a guy who's probably not going to play. I, I know Saints fans are going to tell you he's going to play to 45. Drew's famous for the quote. I honestly feel that he's getting to that stage where he wants to spend more time with his family. He's done, if he can at least win another Super Bowl, but maybe even if he doesn't, he's done really everything you can do as a quarterback. And if he stays healthy, he's going to have every record. He's going to have the yardage. He's going to have the TD record. I mean, what purpose will he really have of staying to 45? I think that he's gone, if not after this year, after two years, Drew Brees retires, and there's fanfare, there's parades, and there's tears in New Orleans. But, you know, I mean, we we got to be realistic about it. So I do think that Drew is – we're going to be seeing the last couple of years. So if you've never got to see Drew Brees play live, that was a Rams fan, something special. It's like you've got to go see Kobe before he retires. You know, it's those type of players. Make sure you go check him out. So Good stuff. Deuce Windham, everybody. Canal Street Chronicles. Uh, give him a follow. Uh, let's see. Rev Deuce Windham, is that correct? Yep, Rev Deuce Windham on Twitter. Give follow. Give Canal Street Chronicles a follow. Pay attention. Follow other estimation sites. Stop being jerks. Don't be like us. Be good. Deuce, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks, Deuce. Deuce Windham, everybody. Uh, what would you think, Joey? Uh, it's going to be an interesting game. It's a weird game. Preseason week fours are always weird. Uh, Deuce did a great job breaking yeah. down the roster. He understands what he's talking about. It's one of those things where – I don't know if it matters. I mean, it matters in terms of making sure you get some late decisions on the 53-man roster and the practice set, but I don't know. This one always feels weird. 
Yeah, it does. You know, and you know when he's talking about the team, it, 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 it I just kept thinking about you know we got to play these guys uh, later in the season, and it's always been that stigma that they have a weak defense, and it feels like they're changing they're changing that up, especially last year you know, that their secondary wasn't so much of a um, of like a, just a paper you know just a paper bag. It they, it, sure. it feels like they um, it was much you know, are a little more threatening, and they have they have they have some teeth there. And uh, that is um, that's just something different than what you're used to, and it's just especially when that was you know Greg Williams. I do not know why Greg Williams still has a job in this league because um, he's just he's the worst. But um, they don't have well, him anymore. He's over in Cleveland. We'll talk about it in a second. But um, yeah, man, week four of the preseason, not fourth preseason game. It's just hard to watch. I mean, it's like it's a game for scouts. You know what I mean? Like. We, you know, are we even going to see guys like Mike Thomas or jo- or Josh Reynolds or no. you know? I mean, we we'll see Kaderil Hodge probably. Yep. yep. You know, he'll get some more snaps. Uh, we'll see. Um, we'll see our good buddy Fred catching some balls too. Um, Freddie Brown. Fred Brown. Fred, Fred Brown needs. We need him an old school nickname like Downtown Fred Brown. It should be some corny old school football name. Yeah, it feels like he's gonna wear like a, like that like an old school like kind of like fedora like an old man coat. You know, it's like I'm Fred Brown, like flashy kind of Fred like Brown, pretty pretty background Brown, <laughs> driving like a 1960s Cadillac. Um, yeah, Ooh, man, Fred Brown actually looked a lot. You know, I, I was I was making fun of him a couple weeks ago, but he actually looked he looked alive. I mean, he was he was all over the field last week. So um, it just proves that these games are silly. And is, isn't the team that we're really rooting for that's playing on the field right now? And Brandon Allen, who who I think should be the number two um, on the depth chart of the of the QB, he will not be playing this week. Is that is that the deal? Is Brandon Allen? Who was that? Be, Sorry, I was um, looking at the... oh, Brandon Allen. Oh, um, uh, will, will he be? What I heard was he's getting first half. Luis Perez is getting second half. Okay, cool. Well, then I think um, I want to see him play more because sure. it just seems like if you put the stats up against him and Sean Mannion, it, I mean, they, they feel a little bit even, Steven. Uh, I think people are really hard on Sean Mannion just because they expect more from him. And uh, I think that's why people are just so mad about the play that Sean Mannion's been putting out in the field. But um, I think Brandon Allen's been fine. and uh, But he's been going, going up against the threes. So uh, what does that mean? Who knows? Um, but, I mean, who are you looking forward to um, seeing play this week? I mean, is it, are there any guys that you're really excited to, to watch, or is it just kind of like a, just a kind of a trash game? Yeah, the first half's going to be interesting. I'm interested in Allen, less so for Allen versus Mannion, and more so is it worth keeping three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster. That might be the interesting thing for me because unlike all these other guys, you talk about wide receivers, offensive line, all the guys on defense, you can't get special team snaps out of Brandon Allen. So unlike, you can't stash him on the practice squad. So unlike some of these other guys where if T. Gray yeah. Scales doesn't make yeah. it, you get an, or even if he does, right. you get an option to play these guys on special teams. But if they don't, you can stash them on the practice squad. That's not for Brandon Allen. Either we're keeping him as a quarterback, and he's eating the roster as a third quarterback that may not ever play versus guys that could get some play, um, or you know, 
you know, get uh, some of these other guys that are going to be able to get in and contribute. Maybe they won't make the 46-man active game day roster, but there's going to be an opportunity to play them. I guess if we're looking at things, I mean, you mentioned at the wide receivers, Stephen Mitchell, Fred Brown, Kaderil Hodge, even JoJo Natson at the back. Interesting to see those guys. I'm not as interested in the offensive line, if only because at, to this point, we should have some good information on them. We know that, you know, by drafting Joseph Noteboom, Jamil Demby, and Brian Allen, they're pretty interested in those guys. They've got the veteran backup, Aaron Neary, Austin Blood, Jake Eldrin Camp. I don't know. I didn't have Cornelius Lucas or Daryl Williams in my latest 53-man projection. I just don't. Uh, as tough as it is, only getting three tackles, you've got some versatility where if we have you could push Roger Seppel outside. You've got Joseph Noteboom who could take outside. You've got some guys that can play all three interior positions. Demby and Noteboom have been moving around even in the preseason. So I, I don't feel that it's necessary to keep four tackles because of the versatility, but it's one of those things that I'm not going to necessarily be watching as closely as I was the first three preseason games. Interested in the running back situation. I mean, you're going to get some carries uh, late. Uh, if Justin Davis doesn't go, it's hard to keep a guy like that around when he's not able to participate um, you know, same thing with Obanaya Okoronkwo, some of the other guys that have been hurt. Uh, you know, if you can't get on the field, it's hard to get you on the roster. Uh, so when you get the defense, you know, linebackers obviously going to be huge. Defensive line, there's some big decisions there. Uh, safeties is going to be yeah. another pressure point. I'm not as big on the cornerback depth, if only because we've got so much of what we had last year, and you add Sam Shields to it. So I feel pretty comfortable with the cornerback depth. Uh, it's just one of those yeah. things where everything else around it seems to be up in the air. But what's going to be tough is the second half. The second half of a fourth preseason game is a test. It is a yep. test of will and commitment yep. and sobriety. And I might fail all those. Uh, what I didn't fail was Greg Williams. Uh, he may be not great at managing a modern football defense in the NFL. But you know what he's great at? Yeah. He's great at entertaining me on hard knocks. He's a very entertaining human being to watch when he yells yep. at people and curses a lot. I love it. And and he does. I mean, the man uh, knows how to yell at his uh, at his players. I mean, he is um, a very angry dude. I was expecting to see the clip about him talking, um, you know, how before the episode aired, he was criticized about, um, you know, talking about tackling like a like – yeah, yeah, when Desert yeah. Lord got um, got injured during that tackle, how he said, "Well, don't tackle like a dummy," and how he got your face just got ran over, and they kept, you know, they had that gift that I kept seeing over and over again. So I was hoping to to see him um, actually, you know, actually talk about that during the episode, but it kind of felt like, you know, they just cut to him right after the injury, and he just was like, "Okay, next man up." So it almost seems like maybe <laughs> I don't know if someone in like the Browns organization, you know, said to HBO like, "Hey, can you uh, maybe not like have him say anything that's going to make us have to fire him?" Because I know it seemed like he was under a lot of fire, um, you know, after I kind of said that. Or maybe that's just you know hyperbole. Who knows? One of the things that's really but, interesting um, for the in terms of the coaching staff is that you got Todd Haley and Greg Williams. Two guys who have been former head coaches working under Hugh Jackson for a team that just went 0-16. And everybody's talked about it. It's so combustible, and it's just one of those things where you can feel some of the tension. And, and, and you know, th- th- this is bigger than a, than a Browns thing. This is something that a lot of teams have to deal with. You had, you know, I, I, I sometimes wish that we had been able to either do hard knocks or all or nothing on the Rams last year. You know, we had Matt LaFleur and Greg Olson on the offensive side, and both of them are already gone after one year. So there, there's always this feeling of 
guys trying to make more out of their careers and maybe not feeling comfortable about the coaching staff that they're in. But one thing that was evident was that this is a much more entertaining season than when the Rams were on it two years ago. And I, I don't, I don't know if there's specific reasons why, but I do think it's obvious that it's much more entertaining. What, what do you think? Why is this maybe not necessarily why is this season being received better, but maybe why was our season just so overall stale? Well, yeah, it definitely comes down to personalities. Um, I think what was probably the most standout uh, feature of the Rams season was Jeff Fisher. And, you know, you had yeah. that clip of him with seven and nine bullshit. And, sure. you know, this year you, you have a similar train wreck in Hugh Jackson. Um, you know, you could kind of say, well, he's fun to watch and he's he's ridiculous, but he also kind of comes off like a very below average coach. And that clip when Tyrod Taylor, you know, is, is giving him advice on how to show, um, you know, <laughs> uh, put, you know, he's like, oh yeah, you should, you, you, you should play some of this footage to the players. Like that, that'd be really good. So just kind of like, yeah, that's what a coach does. Like it just kind of felt like, why is, <laughs> what, why does it seem like Hugh Jackson's actually like, hey, that's a good idea, Tyrod. <laughs> like maybe I'll do that. I think w- what I really like about it is. Um, I'm just I'm just a Baker Mayfield fan. I think I think Baker is uh, yeah. I think he plays really well on TV. I think he has a great personality, and I think he's kind of For fun sure. to watch. Um, and I definitely anytime you have a uh, like a high draft pick, and then you have uh, hard knocks coming in, it's always just fun to see how how that player is going to um, fit in with the team and and, and and how and how they're going to just um, acclimate to the NFL. I think that's always interesting. So um, I think their their situation with quarterback seems to be played out really well. Like I, I, I kind of I, I feel for the first time I'm like, oh, the Browns kind of really have like a decent setup at quarterback. Like I think going in that they don't have to put all the pressure on Baker. They can have have Taylor go in there and, you know, um play as long as he needs to play. And it seems like he really gets the offense. I think I think that's really interesting. And you've got also just for like the watchability factor, you've got a lot of these these on the cusp guys like you know, like Reduce. It's just ridiculous. And I thought when they brought his dad in, I thought that was really great. Because it's just there's something kind of sad and, like, dramatic about it where you're just like, I know this guy. If he makes the team, he's not ever going to play. And the producers know that. He knows that. But he has his little energy crystals, and he's doing his his pseudo-yoga on a park bench. And it just kind of feels like, I don't know, like, not totally. I, I I don't totally buy it. But I think, I think he does. In a way. Sure. And I think he kind of comes off like a little bit laughable, but it makes and makes for good TV. It makes for great TV, and that, I mean that's what Hard Knocks does for years. They isolate a couple guys that are interesting enough that probably won't make the roster, and then try to figure out uh, what the storyline for that is. And obviously with Kajus, I will say this: his dad looked kind of yoked. His dad looked like he got some football left in him. I'm just saying, man. I was a I was looking at dad. Yeah, like, yeah dad. Yeah, and yeah. if you can play tight end, you might be able to get on this team. I'm just saying, man. Um, but we had who was it on our team? Was it was it Dion Long? I don't remember. In 16, when we were getting ready, there was somebody that they focused on that was going through the same things. I think it was, or was it? Uh, I thought it was one of the wide receivers, but they did the same thing where they just kind of. Yeah, you've always got to have the guy yeah. with an interesting family story that's going to get cut. You got to have the wacky yep. dude. For us, remember, is Eric Cush and obviously William Hayes. Remember, Cush had uh, 
what was it? Kush was great. He made it on pink tops. Yeah, Fat Arm Friday or whatever it was. Yeah, you got to have one yeah. wacky dude on that side. And this year it's, uh, what's his name, the financial advisor, Carl Nassib. And Carl, then you got – Carl <laughs> So it, it's kind of formulaic, but it does, it does work well. I think what's interesting about the Browns is it kind of reminds me of the, the Rams before we were on Hard Knocks where you're looking at it and saying, okay, this was a team that was really bad because their roster sucked. But now when you look at yeah. it, the roster is not that bad anymore. They've, they, they've fixed the roster at least to the degree where you can see them winning games. And they, they may, they may okay. not do it. They may not win nine, ten games. But if you look at if they right. win games, you're going to look at it and say, wait a second, this roster is not that bad. The issues are something either in the locker room or among the coaching staff or among the front office, but it's not a roster issue yeah. the way it wasn't for the last three years under the Fisher era. And I, I guess maybe the difference was, this is, you know, when you're talking about year three for Hugh Jackson or year three in this kind of plan, by the time we got to the Rams for hard knocks, it was year five. And I, I get it. The NFL right. wanted to chronicle the, re, the, the move back to L.A. That's why we were on hard knocks. That's why we we're on all or nothing. Mm-hmm. They even had, uh, what was it, Hollywood Wives, Football and Wives. I already forget, and I watch that show. Nobody watched that show. Did you watch that show that was on E? You know what? I skipped that one. I See, and I, everybody uh, skipped I, I it. I actually two, watched but... it. Yeah. Well, you were the one. Was bad. You, you were the one. I guy? was. I was the zero 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 one uh, on the ratings that came in. It was me. I watched every episode. I think it was called Hollywood Football. There's always somebody yeah. watching. But I guess that's true because it's preseason week four, and there's always somebody watching. It's going to be sad. There's going to be a lot of self-loathing, but we're going to do it. We'll get through it, and then we're going to come back. Tertial Radio, we're setting it up, I think, Friday. Going to try to have the full crew back. You and I, Joey, we'll have Rob. We'll have Mycin. We'll get it going. We'll have a game kind of to recap. But more importantly, we've got a Saturday deadline, 4 p.m. New York time. That's 1 p.m. L.A. time to set the 53-man roster on Saturday. The next day is practice squad deadline. So it's going to be an interesting weekend. On top of that, you got college football. We're going to have to talk about that on Friday because things are actually starting tomorrow. we got a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday college football split and especially the last three days of that is going to be wacky. Are you a college football fan? I'm a moderate college football fan. I went to Loyola Marymount, who does not have a college football team. But, well, um, you know, just growing up here, my brother went to SC, so I would, uh, I would say that I, I, I follow USC, and uh, I, um, I always fancy myself as if, if I would have played my life a little differently, would have gone to UCLA and would have been a, a Bruins fan. So I, I – I, um, my heart's a little bit with UCLA sometimes too, but you know when you don't go to a school, it's it's kind of sometimes hard to really kind of get involved in, in in having that sort of passion of like really kind of getting into it. So I I think I'm more casual on the college on the college football. I'm Fair like, enough. Hey. Storylines. Yeah. You know, hey Loyola Marymount Lions, man. This might you never know. Two three years from now, they might strike up a team, and all of a sudden you're full on face paint every Saturday out there, bottom of the NCAA. But you got to work your way up, man. Uh, you know, everybody's got their path. <laughs> that, would be, that would be a shocker. They have a decent baseball team. They, um, and their, their basketball team uh, was good at one point in my life. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, about, <laughs> that's about all you can expect. But, um, it, you know, I think college football is going to be interesting. You know, I think uh, I'm just reading about, about USC's quarterback. And, uh, JT Daniels. You know, that would yeah. be interesting. Yeah, yep. you know, it's like you, you, next man up, right? 
You know, I well, think uh, we'll see. There, there was a little bit of chatter about Sam Darnold going back for another year, and I think I wonder if they were a, a little bit worried about, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, is he is he going to stay? Because that wasn't a foregone conclusion, and he was going to clear right. for the draft. If I remember last year, that there was some sure. talk that he was loving college and he was going to stay, and uh, and now look at him. I mean, it looks like he is a week one starter, right? He is. Uh, I believe they named him today. He's going to be the week one starter. So, yeah, USC is going to be a phenomenal story to track, not just JT Daniels, but the team overall. I saw Porter Gustin was back for a guy that's had a lot of injuries, a lot of talent. He's going to be an interesting USC candidate for the draft. They're going to have a bunch of them. The schedule sets up real strange for USC. They got uh, UNLV this weekend to start at home. I feel comfortable pretty much yeah. saying they're going to take care of business there. But then you got two road games against ranked teams back-to-back. Stanford, number 13. Texas, yep. non-conference, mm-hmm. away game. That's a brutal one for where USC is right now as that a program. That's a brutal one, yeah. It's a wacky one. And then, obviously, uh, you got a lot of Pac-12 play in the middle of it, but you finish, uh, finish the season versus Cal at home, UCLA in the Rose Bowl, and then right before or right after, I guess, Thanksgiving, uh, Notre Dame, number 12. Uh, who a lot of people are picking yeah. as a sleeper team to make the playoffs. It's going to be a fascinating season. We'll talk about that and more on Friday. Joey, thanks for coming on, talking to Deuce with me. Thanks to Deuce Wyndham from Canal Street Chronicles. Uh, it's going to be fun, man. It's time yeah. to wrap up the preseason. Thank Lordy. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's do some regular season. Ah, uh, finally. Games, we get right? finally regular season, actual football. With, and no, no, no disrespect to Kadero Hodge, but – I'm kind of talk. I'm kind of tired to talk about Kadero Hodge, man. Okay. I need to talk I, about I Brandon love, Cooks. I love the spelling of his name. Fine. I know. Yeah, well, it's a great. Hey, Jojo Natson is a great name. Uh, I'm ready to talk yeah. about guys that are starting. I'm ready to talk about starting football. I'm ready to talk about 53 man roster football. I'm ready to talk about 2018 Rams football and what should be a really exciting yeah. season. I'm looking forward to it, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Friday. Go Rams. Well, how about you? We More like the New Orleans Bezelbubs, am I right? Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.